This is episode five of the Animal House podcast, coming to you live from St. Andrews, Scotland. Welcome to the Animal House podcast. I'm your host, Jay Nicole Smith. We are a movement of like-minded rebels who believe businesses win by building brands and success is defined by personal freedom. Join us if you dare as we go behind the scenes each week with marketing trendsetters and iconic brands who embody our Animal House philosophy. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for clicking play. You are here in Animal House. And today we are speaking with another million dollar dog brand, Planet Dog. Now, if you're not familiar with Planet Dog, you've probably never been into a pet store because <laughs> they have some incredibly popular, incredibly well-made products. Planet Dog is an absolute pioneer in the pet industry. They've been going strong since the 90s and were one of the very first sort of landmark brands when it comes to high-quality pet products. So today we are speaking with Steph, who is one of the founders, and she is going to dig in for us into the origins of Planet Dog, how it all started long before the pet industry was as strong and uh, pervasive as it is now, where it's still a little bit crazy to talk about high quality, sustainable products for dogs and to charge a premium for them because they're made in the USA. So we're going to get some insights for her about that, about how they built spectacular products of really, really high quality and along the way also built this really impermeable brand that still stands up today and is still out there doing incredible things. She's also going to tell us about a new organization that she and some other brands have created that I think is really exciting to help promote sustainability in the pet industry. So if that's something you're interested in, make sure you stick around and check out what she has to say. Today is a fantastic day because I am really excited to have one of my dog product crushes here today. We've got Steffi from Planet Dog. Thank you for being here, Steffi. Oh, it's my pleasure. Nicole, thank you so much for having me. So winding back a little bit, you were named by Fast Company as one of the Fast 50, one of the most innovative companies. And this was in 2003. That was 13 years ago. <laughs> Talk about pioneer. Wow. That is a lifetime ago for someone. And in that interview, you said that Planet Dog was founded by two Ben and Jerry's eating, Patagonia wearing kind of guys who happened to love their dogs like family. And I thought that was brilliant. And your tagline at that time was to amuse, explore, innovate, create, philanthropy, and celebrate all in the name of the dog. Of the dog, yeah. So fill us in, back to where you started, and then where are you guys now? Sure. Great question. And wow, that, wow, that brings back a lot of amazing memories. And I think something, yeah, to reflect on and be really proud of. Alex and Stu, who are the two guys that I'm talking about in that article. And although I was a partner to them at the time, I came on board more as a friend rather than a, a partner partner. And we only had, I guess you could say, four-legged kids. So they were everything to us. And they talked about a lot of different ideas to start. They knew that they wanted to be a values-led and driven company, core values that meant everything to them, similar to Patagonia and Ben and & Jerry's, where they gave back to community and to things that meant a lot to them. And they knew that they wanted 
to make a great product. They didn't know how, they didn't know when, they didn't know what they were going to do. And as we were sitting there with our dogs at our feet, that is how it came about. Literally, we were sitting there looking at our dogs and we said, it's got to be for our dogs. And it just didn't exist in the pet industry. Like, it didn't. This was in 1997. Again, we were throwing all kinds of ideas around. They were true entrepreneurs in that they were not working. I, myself, was working at another job having nothing to do with dogs or pets in any way. And that's what we did. And so we did a lot of research, ironically, not in the pet industry at first, but in other um, multi-channel, sort of like-minded, like I said, values-driven companies like Stonyfield Farm, Ben and Jerry's, Patagonia. At the time, Smith and Hawken was a company that we really embraced. And we went to go see Gary Hirschberg, who was the founder of Stonyfield Farm, speak. And he inspired us and motivated us and knew that that's what we were going to do. Did some research in the pet industry and saw that there wasn't many, many companies in that industry that were multi-channel. And what I mean by that, not only sold to the end consumer, but sold to other retailers as well. And we did it. And so the first thing that we did was we wanted to look at eco-friendly materials. We wanted to be the pioneers, if you will, in creating products that were socially responsible, 100% socially responsible from the material to the way that it was made and the way that it was packaged. And that's how we launched. We launched with exactly 16 SKUs, and they consisted of hemp fleece that were made out of recycled soda bottles. So hemp and fleece made out of recycled soda bottles, and that was the materials that we used. Um, And we made collars, leashes, toys, beds, feed bags, and travel bowls. Wow. I can't even imagine that with the sort of juxtaposed against the planet dog that I know now. (laughs) And it was interesting because we only had, at the time, two manufacturers. One was in Brooklyn and the other one was in Maine. And the one in Maine did pretty much everything for us. And there were mills. I mean, the great thing about New England and Portland is that there were all of these amazing mills. Unfortunately, they're not here any longer. A lot of that has changed. Fast forward 15 years So we had access to really beautiful manufacturing and an industry that was sort of very progressive in understanding about how to use and reuse recycled soda bottles. But at the time, we couldn't give it away. People did not understand that you could recycle plastic bottles into this beautiful fleece or woven material. So it was very difficult to sell and talk about the benefits and talk about why we would do such a thing and what makes it so great. So it was a little bit of hard going at the time, but it was definitely worth it and made us feel very good. The other challenge was that, and we still can't, you cannot get hemp manufacturing. You can't get hemp in the United States. So you have to import it from either Canada or China, where it's much more prevalent anyway. So we would import raw hemp and have it shipped to New Hampshire, where we would naturally have it dyed. And then we would ship it to Brooklyn, where they would make our collars and leashes for us. So it was really new to us. We didn't understand our carbon paw print at the time. Obviously, again, fast forward 15 years, we were much more effective and efficient. But again, we were just doing what felt right. And alongside of that, we decided that we would have five core values. And um, Nicole, our mission statement is exactly the same as you read, except we've added two more words, and that is educate and support in our mission statement. So 
We haven't changed it much, but it still amuses us every day. And I think it amuses all of our customers as well. Fab. Okay. So tell us about Planet Dog Now. You've added two words to your tagline and it's a completely different world for you guys. So give us the big picture of what Planet Dog is today. So we're not very different than we were when we started and or when we were conceived, I guess, in 1997. We still have our same five core values and those are philanthropy, generosity, relationships, fun, and social responsibility. So we use those five core values in everything we do. We have an executive leadership team, which we didn't have then because there were just three of us. But we have a team of amazing, wonderfully passionate, dog-loving, brilliant, so smart, way smarter than me people that work here. And we are constantly making sure that everything we do achieves at least one of those five core values or relates to it or goes back to it in one way or another. I would say a couple of things. The main differences of us or sort of where we are today is we're fortunate enough early on to partner with an amazing main company called L.L. Bean. And L.L. Bean makes these amazing bean boots. I think they're very well known worldwide. And they make the soles of their bean boots. Actually, they make 100% of their bean boot in Maine still. But their soles are a molded sole. And in 1999... We met them because they wanted to sell our products and we said no over and over again because we just knew that we would not be the best that we could be. We could not be the best partner for them if we tried to sell to them too early on. But they introduced us to this process called molding. And two years later, Orbitough was introduced and the Orbiball, which is really what put us on the map. I mean, we probably weren't even really on the map until 2001 when we launched our Orbiballs, which people, I believe, still know today and think are one of the best products out there. And so what we've learned about Orbitough is you can take that material and do amazing things with it. And we've really expanded our knowledge around Orbitough and what we can do with it and create with it for all size dogs, all types of dogs, from the puppy all the way to the old soul and senior dogs in our lives. So we can make sure that they are really enjoying their life 100% from when they're babies all the way to, you know, when they're about to unfortunately pass on. So with that, obviously, came higher sales and the ability for us to start really thinking about our foundation and what we can do with the Planet Dog Foundation. Okay, Steffi, so we know that Planet Dog has quite a big philanthropic arm, like you've said. So tell us about the Planet Dog Foundation and how you started to decide what kind of impact you guys wanted to make with your social cause. Sure. I think, as you know, early on and from day one, we knew that we wanted to have our philanthropic arm. I mean, philanthropy, again, was one of our five core values, and it meant everything to us. And We had many areas of interest. Uh, One was animal welfare, one was education, and one was the natural environment. And so our philanthropy surrounded around those three areas of interest. So the way that it worked is we would give to those three areas and we would get grant requests a couple times a year and then we would decide. But it was a little bit confusing for us and I think our customers and I don't believe it resonated the way that we wanted it to resonate with our customers because, you know, when 
One day we're saving the seals in the, on the coast of Maine, and another day we're going into the classroom and helping kids learn how to read, and then another day we're <laughs> going to the mountains of Chile to make sure that they're right, the rainforests are surviving, and blah, blah, blah. So we were getting this feedback. You know, the one great thing, we've always just had incredibly open communication with all of our customers. We welcome that. We constantly ask for their feedback. And I think that was one thing that was really confusing for them. They wanted to help. They wanted to participate. They wanted to be a part of what we were doing. But it really wasn't um, connecting to Planet Dog. You know, Planet Dog, we design and develop products that enhance a lifestyle that people share with their four-legged best friends. Well, how is the philanthropy benefiting that? How is that connected? And so in 2006, we actually hired a new executive director who had been worked in nonprofit for many, many years. And she's the one who spearheaded the entire project. And we decided as a team and strategically met with an amazing uh, local philanthropist and helped us really create a mission, a philanthropic mission that would, I think, obviously resonate with our customers, but just make us really be able to be as impactful as possible. We're not a big company. We weren't then and we aren't now. And so with limited funds, you want to make sure you have as much impact as possible. So that's when we decided to support nonprofits across the country that their focus is training, placing, and supporting any sort of dog working to give people independence, to save their lives, to enhance their lives in one way or another. So a therapy dog a service dog, a search and rescue dog, you know, bomb sniffing dog, any sort of dog that works to help a person in need. And that's what we started focusing on in 2006. And that's when we decided to give 2% of our sales to the foundation so that we could really make an impact. So that's 2% of our sales, Nicole, not 2% of profits, but 2% of sales. So Yeah, it was unheard of and still I think is unheard of, but something we're very, very proud of. And we've been able to, we're about, I think, almost at a million and a half given away since 2006 to really, really help those organizations. And we also, when we looked, we realized that it was an area that just wasn't being funded. There was a lot of amazing work that dogs do. I mean, we know how amazing they are and what their senses can do and A lot of universities were really coming up with these amazing progressive programs, cancer sniffing and diabetes or diabetic seizures and epileptic seizures, um, sensing those before even the person knew they were coming, all this kind of stuff, but it just wasn't being funded. And we felt like we could be really impactful. And the greatest thing about that is that there are a lot of dogs that are rescued from shelters or rescue organizations across the country that are actually taken and then used to make, or excuse me, create, train to be amazing service dogs, independence dogs. So you're you're doing a lot there. And we feel very, very strongly about our mission there. And it's been wonderful. And this is something that our customers obviously really like and can get behind and can understand. And and we have amazing partners all across the country. So it's been really amazing. Wow, that's incredible that you guys have been able to get that focus together to really hone in on who you wanted to help. And then, like you said, to make maximum difference. I know that's not an easy thing to do. And there's always a lot of sort of hands out asking for assistance. And it's hard to know who to say yes to and who to say no to. That's always a really tricky thing. So that's great that you guys were able to shape that. So 
obviously the foundation is a huge part of your ethos as a company, as well as in some ways your marketing, because people know you by this philanthropic arm that you have to your business. But as you think about sort of growing the company, the actual sort of sales side of things, tell us a little bit how you, when you first started, you were direct to consumer. Is that right? It was actually a little bit of both. When we first started, we were both direct to consumer and we sold to retailers. So we did both simultaneously. And we knew we wanted to do that. That was a strategy of ours. I'll tell you, we didn't really know that much. Neither one of us have our MBAs. Uh, or neither, none of us did at the time and still don't, but we sort of felt like we were great consumers, that we, we knew brands, we knew design, we knew what we liked, we felt like we had a good eye for things, and we knew we had a great story to tell. And so we decided we wanted to tell that to the end consumer through a catalog and through a website, and we also wanted to tell that story to retailers to help them tell it to the end consumer. So we started that simultaneously. We really started slow, really slow. And we didn't really start, I guess, what I would call actively marketing by renting lists and working with companies like direct marketing companies out there, like the DMA and the New England Mail Order Association. We didn't start doing that for about two years. So we sort of did everything on our own and quite locally and very slowly and very, is rustically a word? <laughs> um, um, very old school. So yes, we did everything. Um, grassroots. Grassroots, very <laughs> grassroots. But it was great. It worked. Just like I said to you before, our customers loved to talk to us and loved to give us feedback. And we answered each and every one of them every single day, no matter what. That's what we did. We just sat there and would talk to our customers. And this would have been um, on the phone, right? That ancient thing yes. called the phone. Yes, that <laughs> that's right. The phone. Yes. We did have a website and they would send us pictures with their little notes and then we would answer them via email. But that is all we had. There was no social media. There was no email marketing. It wasn't, there was none of that. Absolutely, positively none of that. We did all of our marketing with postcards, with letters, and with catalogs. Wow. So that is a huge change for a company to go through, right? Sort of starting with a catalog and then evolving alongside this digital world that we live in now. How, as you look at sort of your business then and now, tell us a little bit about how that's changed for you guys and how you had to stretch and become experts at different tools and channels along the way. Yeah, it's so interesting because I'm 46 and I think people would say, and I would agree that I'm ancient, I guess, in the marketing <laughs> world. I know where I want us to be, but I can't get us there, right? Because I don't know, right? I have to figure it all out because it's all changing all the time and technology is amazing and social media is changing. And I think one thing I will say is I don't think Alex or I regret in any way anything that we've done in terms of marketing, we invested heavily early on in marketing. And I actually think it was the best thing that we did because we were able to get customers early on that have stayed with us for years and years and years. In fact, in our most recent wholesale catalog, we actually have a testimonial in there of somebody who's had the same products from us for over 10 years. And we actually sent them to us we took pictures of them and she said we had to send them back because her German Shepherds, even though they're not the same German Shepherds, still use the same toys. Wow. But we did invest in marketing and direct mail, as you know, although it's certainly not as prevalent in terms of a marketing 
platform now, it was then, and it was very costly to create catalogs, and it was very costly to rent lists. You didn't when you didn't have any customers, you had to actually pay for customer lists from other catalogs, big catalogs, successful catalogs like LL Bean or Eddie Bauer or. Martha Stewart or Orvis or whoever is out there that you think you have a similar demographic to. And it was thousands of dollars that we spent. But we were able to create a house list and we were able to create a really solid customer list that we could then continue to market to. As I said, I would not call Alex or myself marketing experts, but I think we are very good branders. And that's where our expertise comes in. And I think what we do well is we surround ourselves with energetic, passionate, forward-thinking, innovative, creative, amazing people around us that are experts. And I would highly, highly recommend doing that. You know, you're not the expert at everything, but you need to make sure that you do have the experts around you. And it's critical in your growth and your success. And that's what we've done. We've done it as much as we possibly can, and I think we have stayed true to who we are, what our look is. I think our brand is identifiable because we haven't tried to be something we're not. We haven't changed our look, but it's been amazing. And again, it's only because we've surrounded ourselves with such bright, amazing, wonderful, energetic people. And those are the ones they've taught us. They've taught us what we need to do. I was just thinking that the Planet Dog brand, I'd say, is quite a landmark in the pet industry because you guys were in so early before branding was really something that was done in the pet industry. It sort of, it evolves over time and everyone sort of starts a bit clunky and ugly and then slowly everyone catches up with each other in terms of needing to really have a brilliant brand. And so you guys were way, 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 way ahead of that as a sort of competitive necessity. So how do you think you've maintained that brand over time as everybody else is sort of popping up in the market and blingy and showy and digital and what have you? How do you think that you've managed to keep that brand so strong? Well, we have an amazing designer and design team. You know, Alex, first of all, is brilliant. He has just this amazing, brilliant mind and he's an amazing designer. And then we have another amazing designer that we have been working with since day one. And she essentially helped us create this brand. And I would say a brander like she, like Alex, like myself, I think just can see sort of a bigger picture and just knew that what we wanted to try to achieve, which is a very colorful, innovative, fun look that people will be drawn to for their dogs. I think we've just been able to maintain that. I think it's easy to show on many platforms so you can see our product in a catalog really nicely or in a magazine really nicely or on a website really nicely. I think it just shows itself really well. And because we wanted to be able to do that from day one, really be multi-channel in that way, we made sure that everything we did could translate into all of those different types of channels. And you've had sort of this core team since the beginning to keep that consistency really strong. We have. That's really incredible. It is really incredible. And I feel very blessed and very lucky. And it's just such a smart team. It's really amazing. And of course, we've had some new people come on board, which is just enhanced what the core team but 
for the most part, it's been the same core team that just knows the brand. And I think that helps as we grow. So speaking of sort of communicating with the customer and those marketing activities, are there any um, things that you did invest in that you wish you hadn't? Or are there any marketing type investments you wish you would have made earlier on? I don't regret any investment that we've made at all. Not at all. I think what we did was the right thing for us to do in order to tell the story in the most effective way. And I do think we're a little bit challenged in that we're not just a seller of product, but we are a brand with a story. And that has been our biggest goal is to continue to tell and grow that story in order to sell the brand. I think some companies out there have it a little bit easier because they're just selling a toy or they're just selling collars and leashes all day long. That's all they do. But we're selling a story because we have several products that really translate, like I said, to the lifestyle that people share. We want to make sure that you have that toy when you need it, that you have the treat when you need it, or that you have the travel bowl when you need it, or you have the collar and leash when you need it. So it's more of a brand and a story than just a product. So no, I don't regret anything. Do I wish I had done anything differently? I would say that I think I probably wish that I understood (laughs) what a marketing and communications plan was early on and to try to create one early on because for several years it was just three to five of us and none of us were experts in that area. We were sort of just talking to people that we knew that weren't even in the industry and what do you do? Oh, you do that? Okay, we should do that. And (laughs) I sort of wish that maybe we knew a little bit more about strategy and a marketing and communication strategy and creating that. Now that we have that and that we have experts doing that and people that are leading that charge, it's been phenomenal. And the other thing that I would say is really making sure that People continue always to communicate with the customer, whether it's the end consumer or retailers, because I think that really does affect the perception of your company and who you are. You know, I think everything is so automated now. You know, you get an automated response for this and an automated response for that. But I think having a voice and a person to respond to you is something that's really important. And that's something that we've continued to do. That's great. Yeah, that conversation is really critical, isn't it? It is. If you think about sort of having this sort of one foot in this company that started with a catalog and 16 SKUs and another foot in this company that's now absolutely thriving in a totally crazy digital world, and you are pushing this story, you know, you have a story to tell, and that is the core of your brand. How do you see Planet Dog evolving in the future? Are there more areas you'd like to expand into? Yeah, I think that in 2004, we opened up a company store here in Portland, Maine, our hometown. We knew we wanted to. Both Alex and I come from retail. Um, That really is sort of our background. And we knew we wanted to do that because it helps us get in front of the customer and hear direct feedback about all of our products, right? So that we can say, oh, that doesn't work. Oh, we should really change that design or what are we missing? Or what does your dog need? And it's been phenomenal. And it's helped us so much become better, more effective designers and developers of products for dogs. 
in addition, it's a, our company store has become a place where we get to celebrate and highlight all of these amazing brands that have since popped up since we started. Amazing foods and consumables and supplements and integrative, progressive things to help your pet stay healthy. Just all of these really great things that share our same philosophy about what enhances that lifestyle that people share with their best friends. So we sell like bazillions of other brands that are like-minded to Planet Dog and we really get to highlight them and celebrate them. And then lastly, what I think our store helps us do is really tell the story about the Planet Dog Foundation. Like we we're able to show more easily and more directly what the foundation does. And because we've been able to do that here in our hometown, we feel like we've become like this little resource center in Portland, Maine. And we feel like this little resource center belongs maybe in some other markets. So we'd like to grow that division of our company and really be able to continue highlighting and celebrating other brands and continuing to be the best designers and developers of pet products that we can be and continue to really highlight the foundation and locally, like what is that doing for the community? You know, we have local grantees that we do events with and people can come and see and meet like what these amazing dogs are doing for these humans in need. Although we don't think it's going to be enormous or or very big, I think it's something that will just continue to help tell our story in a way that is very effective for us and a model that, that really does further enhance that lifestyle. And it keeps you nice and close to the customer as well, doesn't it? So you get really to does. get this great feedback loop of people who are actually using your products. It's so true. And another thing that it does for us is when I'm at a trade show and I'm actually talking to a retailer and I say to them, you know what? I was at the store the other day and I noticed this. Do you ever have that issue? Like I can actually relate to them as a retailer, but also as a designer and developer and help fill their needs in many, many ways that I think a lot of other companies can't. So it really connects us much more strongly with the customer in many, many ways, not just the end consumer, but the retailer as well. Right. Oh yeah, that's really smart. And it also helps brand awareness and it helps our retailers. It really, you know, our local retailers that are around us do better with our products because we're more well-known. So I think it helps the retailers as well. Brilliant. So just to sort of tie up here, I would love to hear if you were able to give some words of advice to an entrepreneur who had this great idea for a company like Planet Dog and was just really, really scared to take that leap or maybe didn't have an idea, but definitely wanted to work with dogs. What would your advice be to them to actually help them get going? This is so interesting. I think about this a lot because I do think that there are many, many, many people that have amazing ideas. I mean, all over the place, all over the world. And there's room for everybody in any industry, in any market. I truly believe that. I think that what I would say is really be innovative. I think it's so easy to sort of just jump on a bandwagon, right? Because it's happening and it's easy and it's right there. But I think if you're a true entrepreneur and you have a really good idea, you know, make it stand out, you know, really be innovative. That's what's going to catch the attention. It's not jumping on the bandwagon and just trying to follow along. It's really creating the bandwagon. The other thing I will say is 
stay true. Stay true to your mission, to your passion, to what you believe in. And although I wish I didn't have to say this, I do think it's important to protect yourself. I'm a firm believer that collaboration is enormous. I think, like I said, there's room for everybody. And I think in order to affect impact or affect a major change, collaboration is a beautiful thing, but you do need to protect yourself from people out there that maybe don't feel the same way and don't necessarily care about the change that you're trying to affect. I think, you know, two, five, a billion heads are much better than one and again, can do so many wonderful things together like helping out our Mother Earth. You know, I think you might know this, the Pet Industry Sustainability Coalition, PISC. It's a, I didn't it's know a that. New, yeah, it's a new coalition. It started about two years ago, and Plant Dog is a founding member, Wes Paw is a founding member, and there's some other amazing companies that are founding members, and we also sit on the board, and we're really trying to get our industry to collaborate to make major change. So I'm sharing all of our best practices. You know, Westpaw is sharing all of their best practices. We're not afraid to share those so that other companies can do what we do to ensure that our carbon footprints and our social impact really, really affects change. And I believe wholeheartedly that we can affect change when we all come together, especially an amazing group like the pet industry. But when you're just getting started, just make sure you're protected. That's all. Great, great sage advice. Thank you. Now, I know you'd have to sort of (laughs) not have existed for 10 years to not know this, but why don't you just tell everybody where they can find Planet Dog online and in person as well? Sure. Thank you. So, of course, you can go to www.planetdog.com. That is our website, and it's a great resource as well as an e-commerce store. If you want more information on our foundation, you can go to planetdogfoundation.org, and you can also always call our 1-800 number at 800-381-1516. We are in probably your local retailers all over the world. We sell to about 10,000 stores globally. We are definitely mostly in independent retailers, but you can enter in your zip code on our website and the closest retailer to you will pop right up. And are you guys on social? We are. We are on every social media platform, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Is that something? (laughs) (laughs) I love love Um, that you gave a phone number as well because nobody else has. And I think that's great. (laughs) uh, Oh, my God. See? See? I'm totally dating myself, right? I'm, oh, my gosh. It's great, though, because how nice is it to actually talk to a real person? That's so wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Well, thanks, Stephanie. I really really appreciate you taking the time to do this today and planet dog i think everybody can agree is just an incredible pioneer in the industry and what you guys do is so remarkable and so it's great that you um were able to take the time to share a little insight with us really appreciate that oh i'm humbled and so honored to share with you nicole and i'm so thankful that you thought of us really thank you so much and please reach out anytime and tell your peeps to reach out anytime as well. I would always love to talk more about our experience and how we can help. Awesome. Thanks so much, Steffi. You're welcome. Thank you so much to my guest, Steph, today from Planet Dog. 
you know, I've run into Steph repeatedly at trade shows when I've been there for businesses that I've been working with. And she never fails to be this like beacon of happiness and excitement and energy. And I think that really came through today in the interview. And I hope that it rubbed off on you a little bit and you have a little bit more inspiration to go out there and be brave, you know, stand up for the thing that you believe in, even if everybody tells you that it's crazy, or why would you do that? Or that it's risky, you know, when you have that strong vision, really, really, really hard to not be successful when you stick to it, and you don't let it get muddled down with other people's ideas. So thanks, Steph, for that. Also, if you're interested in sustainability, make sure you check out the Pet Sustainability Coalition. And that is at petsustainability.org. This is a coalition put together by Steph and several other pet brands who are really, really, really passionate about making sure that the impact that we make is a positive one and getting smarter and more efficient. And, you know, it's just a way that these companies are giving back and really trying to raise awareness about what it is that as entrepreneurs that we need to be doing now to make sure that we are creating companies and products in a sustainable way. So you can check that out at petsustainability.org. Links to that and to the other things that Steph and I discussed are in the show notes for this episode, which you can find as always at workingwithdog.com slash podcast. And this is episode five. So you'll find all the links in there. And next week, If you are someone who has struggled at all with knowing what to do or how to do it on social media, you definitely want to be here for our episode next week. We are chatting with Chris, who is a social media growth hacker, and we have absolutely crammed an incredible amount of information, insights, tricks, tools, all kinds of stuff into our short conversation. So you definitely, definitely don't want to miss that one. So I hope to see you next week for our chat with Chris. And in the meantime, I hope you have a great day. Go get outside with your dogs. Bye-bye.